<clears throat> oh, golly. Oh, golly, golly, golly. This is going to be interesting. Strap on your stupid kids. It's Monday night, and you know what that means. It's the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier. And why am I warning you to strap on your stupid? That's a very good question. Uh, could be a lot of reasons, but the reason tonight is because I've got my hands on something not a lot of people have. And that's probably for the best. But time will tell. Maybe this could be magical. Maybe this could be a disaster. Maybe I'm about to get a lot of beer all over me. I don't know. I do not know. Here's what I do know. I am related to a person who works at Sada City Brewing now. Wonderful fellow. And uh, he has procured me a couple of cans of beer out of the deep freeze. No, they weren't actually frozen, but uh, out of long-term cooler storage. Now, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. And if I confess the details, might have been skint or I might have just forgotten. But regardless, I think what's happening here is, of course, most breweries keep beers around uh, for QA. That's quality assurance. That means they're just checking things like like three months after they make a beer, they'll open one and be like, how is this after three months? How is it after six months? They'll also actually keep beers in really bad conditions, like just on a shelf in the brewery, not refrigerated, and check those because they want to know. Some people are idiots and they don't take good care of their beer, and they want to know what their beer does and what it's like. I think what I've got is some cans of beer out of that, some that maybe got forgotten, some that just they had extras of. Anyway, I got some beers. I was going to do a different beer, but then I realized it's actually not that old. And I wanted, for whatever reason, to have some fun tonight and drink something that's old. So what I have here, well, this is Winding Road for 7 kilometers from Sawdust City. It's a rye saison, 7% alcohol. So this is a beer that will, in principle, be ageable, to invent a word. 7% alcohol, there's a high enough alcohol content there. It isn't necessarily going to succumb to bacteria or whatever. Now I can tell you this has a date code on it and it says November the 13th 2014 this beer is seven years old. This is an Avery label label on it. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see what I'm putting at. It's a silver bullet tall can with literally an Avery printing label uh, with the logo and the information on it. This was not for LCBO, I can assure you that. Uh, I'm assuming this was a brewery can. It might not even have been that. This might have just been a label they slapped on it to remember what it was from like a draft uh, batch. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Uh, I bet if I asked Sam, he would have forgotten because it was, as noted, seven years ago. Uh, almost to the day. November 13th. That's this weekend coming up. That is uh, Saturday. Saturday the 13th. So this beer is almost exactly seven years old. What's going to happen when I open it? I do not know. 
You know, Sawdust makes a can condition saison called There's No Way of Knowing. This also could be called There's No Way of Knowing. Saison's not typically a beer you necessarily want to age. Um, I mean, you age them a bit because traditionally they were made in the uh, cooler months to be consumed in the warmer months, but not seven years later. That's not normal. Um, so I'm a little uh, nervous. Now, I've tempted fate by not having anything on hand to clean up. I don't have a towel. I don't have a rag. I don't have anything. So this could go south really quickly. But I hope it doesn't. In fact, I hope it's amazing. Oh, hello, Brew Daddy Derm. There's only one way to find out what's going to happen. I'm going to open this very gently, like I'm going to ease into it. Oh, I will tell you. Oh, this can feels really hard. Like. I can't even slightly indent it with my fingers. I don't know if you can see this on the camera. It has no give whatsoever. Hang on. I am going to get something just in case. I'll be right back. Hold that thought. I'll be right back. Just look at the pride flag in the background. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, hey, Anthony. Uh, I was away when you joined in. I've got uh, my work shirt from today. Uh... That's that's the first stop on the tour of things that are going to clean up this beer when it explodes all over me. Uh, and then I have a blanket back here that we, we often would use in the car or on picnics. So it is not unaccustomed to a little spillage. Oh, this is not I, I've got a really bad feeling. Oh, hey, here's Erica. It's good you just joined in, Erica. If this goes really sideways really quick. I might need a towel, but I do have a blanket and a shirt, as mentioned. I'm going to try and open this. It's so hard. It's so scary. Oh, this is terrifying. I'm going to hang on. I want to I want to move my keyboard out of the way. That's safe. I'm going to I'm going to open it over the glass because I think this is going to explode. Oh, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. Oh, oh, there it goes. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Most of it's going in the glass. Most of it's going in the glass. Most of it's going in the glass. Some of it's going on the shirt. We're just going to put the shirt on the desk. There we go. I don't know if you can hear that. It sounds like a jet taking off in the very far distance. Well, I can squeeze it now. Okay, she's open. Now, I mean, on the one hand, it didn't, like, detonate. So that's positive. Okay, here we go. I don't even know where the opening is on this now. How can I pour this? There we go. Hey, there's some liquid. 
Whoa, Nelly, that is, that is an act of carbonation. That's what that is. That is um, 80% head right now. Oh, and there's, uh, there's floaties in it. That's nice. I'll tell you, just smelling the can, it doesn't smell terrible. It's just really, 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 really carbonated. Um, I've never felt a beer can that hard. I'm amazed that the seam on the lid held. That's how much pressure was in there. The head's coming down nicely. Very soapy head. If you've ever wondered what a soapy head looks like, Instagram's doing a really good job on it. Uh, YouTube, not so much. This is a soapy head. It doesn't taste soapy. It just looks soapy. Um, this can is still given. It's given it. Anyway, I've got this uh, shirt down now, like a bit of a bit of a tablecloth. I just want to use part of it to dry off the parts of me that just got covered in beer. Now, that's nice. That's good. Uh, hey, this... This looks like a beer I would drink, and I'm about to, I think. No, I am. I'm definitely going to do it. I'm a little nervous. If, uh, if I collapse or start saying I can't see anything because I've gone blind, please contact the authorities. In the meantime, okay, on the nose. Hmm. Uh, very sugary. I wouldn't have even said malty necessarily. It actually smells almost like a Belgian, like a, like a, uh, like a punchy blonde. I was going to say a triple. It's not quite that spicy, but it's like a punchy blonde. Hmm. I'm going to sip some, see what happens. Remember. If I need assistance, call the authorities. Hmm. That's really interesting. Oh, very spicy. It's interesting. It's thin. Um, I think I think the, the yeast kept working and it's chewed out most of the sugar. Because there's not a ton of body on it. It's a weird combination of being very uh, light-bodied, very thin, with a insane carbonation. Although, it's, it's carved out pretty quickly. Um, it's still quite bubbly. The head's completely gone, um, as you can see, or almost completely gone, um, if you're watching the video. Uh, I'm going to pour a little more in because I can. Okay. And then, yeah, here's the thing that malt, it's like, it makes me, it makes me wonder if there's candy sugar in it. There's this very, um, saccharin. No, that's not the right word. Yeah. Saccharin means sweet, doesn't it? It's got a table sugar thing going on, which is like candy sugar is dextrose. Um, actually, I think it's also fructose. But the point is, it's sugar. In the case of Belgian candy sugar, 
it's been candied, so it's been heated to a certain point. And I think part of that is it becomes inverted. But I have to be honest with you here. My knowledge of the chemistry of um, sugar conversion is not my strong point. Um, it has a very Belgian candy sugar sweetness to it. It definitely tastes like rye. Like, I would almost say if you wanted to know what rye tastes like in a beer, and by rye here, we're talking about the grain, not the uh, spirit. Although, while Canadian whiskey is often referred to colloquially as rye, in much the same way that Scotch whiskey is often just referred to as scotch. In the case of Canadian whiskey, it often has rye in it, but it's very rarely entirely made out of rye with a few very notable and uh, noteworthy exceptions. Um, rye has a really spicy quality to it, and this beer is thick with that. And then it's interesting because it becomes a little hard to disentangle the spiciness of the rye and the spiciness of the yeast, which it's a saison. Saisons also often have estery, spicy yeasts that touch on like white pepper, sometimes clove. That's a little bit more like in the, the German like Hefeweizen side, but you can get clove definitely. When you're getting into like bubblegum and banana, that's Hefeweizen. But when you're just talking spice covered spices, white pepper, nutmeg maybe a little bit, sometimes you can get like mace or nutmeg. Top secret, mace and nutmeg smell the same. If somebody says to you it smells like mace, not nutmeg, they're just being protected. Anyway, I digress. Um, hey, you know what? Actually, maybe there are people who have more refined palates than me and they can tell the difference between mace and nutmeg, but I don't think they can. If you're wondering, mace is the thing that's on the outside of the nut of the nutmeg and it's white. And so if you remove that, it tastes the same as nutmeg, but it doesn't leave little brown flecks in the white sauce that you're making. So if you want to make a white sauce without little brown bits in it, but you want it to taste like nutmeg, you use mace. End of the story. Um, this beer, does it taste like nutmeg? Hmm. Not particularly. No, it's peppery. A little bit of pepper, maybe a little whisper of clove. It's not overly clovey, which, of course, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that makes me happy. I'm not a fan of clove in excess. There is a quality to this, by the way. So I don't know if I've said anything yet in terms of subjectiveness, um, how I feel about this beer. It's unusual, um, mainly because of the body. It's so strange. And while I wouldn't necessarily say there's any notable off flavors, I mean, certainly it's not infected. Um, yeah, there's nothing off in this beer, although I, I almost want to be careful how I say that. Uh, it tastes a little, it tastes a little cooked, to be honest with you. Um, There's this weird misconception about beer that you can just kind of do anything you want with it, including cook it. Very hoppy beers don't cook very well because hops don't really like being heated up that way, um, especially not um, with the intensity that often happens, say, like when you dump it in a pan. Um, hops don't get on great with heat. That's not the problem here. This beer certainly has hops in it. 
beer, when you cook it, depending on what type of beer it is and how you go about cooking it, um, it, how do you describe the taste? I always want to go with like vegetal, but the problem is that vegetal qualities are an off flavor associated with, uh, shoot, what is it associated with? Sorry, I'm a little out of practice on this really deep dive beer geekery stuff. Anyway, the point is, if a beer has a vegetal taste to it, that's a brewing flaw, typically. The kind of vegetal taste, it's almost um, leafy, but not like hops, like more like well, cooked spinach is a very um, pungent thing. So when I say like that, I don't mean exactly like that. I mean, akin to that. You can get a bit of a vegetal quality when you cook beer. And this has a little bit of that to it. It tastes a little cooked. Um, I don't think it has been cooked. I, I, I'm almost positive this has probably been in the same uh, uh, walk-in cooler its whole life. It was probably canned and put in there and it hasn't been touched since. Um, this isn't a storage problem. It's just, I think, the reality of a beer being seven years old when it isn't really designed to be a seven-year-old beer. Um, this isn't necessarily a beer you want to lay down. So um, the problems with it, it's thin, which again, I think that whatever yeast was in here very slowly kept working for a long time. Certainly the pressure on that can was insane. Like yeast should have stopped working at that point, but the body's quite thin. So there's not a lot of sugar left here. It's, 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 it's quite dried out. Um, and, and the head retention's shot, which also makes me aware of the fact that we've lost some of that. Uh, and then the other thing is, yeah, this sort of, Again, it's 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 minute, but there's a cooked taste. It tastes like cooked beer to me. Um, but neither of those things like ruin the beer. Um, the second one, that cooked thing, it's there, but it's not obnoxious. Much more prevalent Belgian candy sugar, which I don't actually think this beer contains. I think it's a, a an effect of the long, long, long storage. Um, definitely rye spices. And again, yeast spices that I can't, I, I could not tell you which one was which or who's influencing what, um, but they're definitely in there. Um, and uh, and actually, I haven't said this, but there's a, a little bit of the most I can say about it is like a tannic hop. There, there's definitely a drying character on the end, which I think also probably is coming through because there's so little sugar left in this beer. Um, and again, this is going to be all alphas. All of the aroma compounds in, in that hop they're gone like they've broken down they actually it's interesting oh i was gonna say it might be in the bottom of the can there's a zero percent chance of that this can got well agitated when it opened up um so yeah whatever was in there it's not there now um knowing sam it was probably something like uh maybe golding or like like uh, East Camp, but maybe more likely Styrian or possibly like Saz, like a classically noble spicy hop. That'd be my guess. Um, it certainly doesn't taste like there's any new world hops in here. But again, at seven years, pff, who knows? There might be Citra in here and it's just gone. Uh, let me have another sip. I haven't had one in a couple minutes. Hmm. 
getting some more multi qualities out of it too. It's uh, if you're not watching, if you're listening, there's something else in this beer. This isn't just Pilsner Malt or Two Row. There's something throwing a bit of color on there. Actually, oh no, no, that was a different can I was looking at. This can has no information on it at all. It, that could just be the rye. Rye tends to be a bit darker. I wouldn't be surprised though if there there's something a little, almost a little caramelly, which again with that Belgian candy thing could be related. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some Munich malt in here. Um, that would be my best guess. Again, seven years on. Who knows? Sam does, maybe, if he remembers. There's probably notes, or whoever made it. Uh, but they're not with me right now. I would not want this to be the first time somebody had a Saison, or specifically a Rye Saison. This would not be a good uh, introduction to the style. Mm. You know, sometimes I talk about old canvas. Like, it's sort of musty and earthy, but there's this, like well, canvassy kind of quality to it. The spear's got a little bit of that, too. Um, I think that's coming from the hop. I think. There is... Um, yeah, it's interesting. The more time I spend sipping it, the more I'm like... This kind of drink's kind of Belgian. It's got... Again, a bit of that candy sugar taste, which I don't think there was candy sugar in here, but it's got some of that taste going. Those yeast esters, they are kind of punching into the Belgian range, especially as it's warming up a little bit. Um, in fact, there's almost a little warmth coming off the beer now on the back of the palate, which at 7%, like I've had beers that are 9% that don't have any heat, and I've had beers that are like 65 that were like boozy. So you don't know, like it can kind of go anyway. Um, this is definitely showing a little bit of warmth. It's very interesting. Um, let me have another sip. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So the color isn't right, but there are aspects of this that drink almost like a double, but with less malt characteristics. Um, but like it's got a little bit more oomph than a, a blonde would have. And, and again, it's nowhere near a triple. It doesn't have that level of carbonation. It doesn't have that level of body and it doesn't have that level of booze. The yeast, though, it's close. It's not not too far off. Um, and again, just that little hint, especially I'm noticing like a, a minute, well, a minute, 15 seconds after I've swallowed it. One of the things that I kind of pick up on my cheeks is just a little bit of, like I say, it tastes cooked. It's not. I think that's just a function of the age. I don't actually know chemically what's going on when you do that, what, what's going wrong with the beer. Um, but I, I'm not surprised that it's something that possibly could happen with, with age, too. Um, something to look into. I wonder who I would ask about that. Hmm. Anyway, um, interesting, a very cool thing. A seven-year-old rye saison. It's not every day you get to have one of them. And it didn't completely drench me. And actually, uh, YouTube can't really see. If I duck down, you can. Instagram definitely can. I've got some real Cindy Lou Who hair going on right now. And uh, if I'd gotten beer in there, that would not have been fun. So um, glad that it didn't really explode. It just 
gushed. And we succeeded in uh, only making a little bit of a mess. My desk isn't even all that... Uh, not even all that dirty. Just mopping up with my, my work shirt from today. I'd say that worked. Uh, let me have a sip. See if anything else comes to mind. This is a weird, complicated beer. And then I'll talk to you about food. Gosh, I love food. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, um, synopsis, kind of thin body. Carbonation's actually dropped right out now. Again, not a lot of body left in there to hold that carbonation in. Um, very spicy. I think predominantly yeast-driven, and, and to some extent the rye. That Belgian candy note still hasn't gone away. Little cooked. Tannic. Canvassy, like old tent canvas finish. Uh, weird and interesting and um, and kind of cool. So that's that. So what are we going to eat with it? Hmm. I mean, A, you're never going to because I don't think there are that many cans of this left. And it would be really hard to plan for, hey, do you have a seven-year-old can of Saison and you're not entirely sure what's going to happen when you open it? Well, then eat this. It just doesn't work that way. Um, if I were thinking about this beer specifically, uh, like if I could like put a cover on this and then go make something and then eat it... Um, Again, as I always say, beer and cheese, great. This is going to work well with some of those funkier cheddars. Um, it doesn't itself have any funk to it, per, per se. I, I'm not getting any. It's, it's pretty clean. Um, but between that cooked taste and that slightly kind of tent canvasy thing on the end, um, yeah, not a super dirty cheddar, but like not your mom's cheddar. That was not an insult, by the way. Uh, maybe your mom loves funky, weird-ass cheddars. Good for her. More power to her, that's what I say. Go get them, Suzanne. Um, <laughs> but yeah, something in the moderately funky, you know, could have a bit of a rind. That could work well. With, like, food food, with, like, a meal... I mean, obviously, Saison, especially this one, because, like I say, it's it's really punching towards, like, more like a Belgian, like a somewhere between a blonde and a double. You could do mussels with that. Um, I don't necessarily think this would, like, excel there. Like, it would work. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that that's fine. But it's not a noteworthy example, I don't think. Um, let me have another set. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know what you need to do. I know exactly what you need to have, and I have some in my fridge, and unfortunately, you can't have any. Our upstairs neighbors have some, though. Um, I made a uh, pumpkin soup with uh, our upstairs neighbors had a uh, pie pumpkin that they'd gotten, and they'd had it, you know, on display. And they had not carved it. It was just a pie pumpkin. Um, we had some carved pumpkins, you know, because the kids, they like that. Um, but uh, the upstairs neighbors, they didn't. So they had this pie pumpkin, and so uh, I said... Uh, Actually, I got Erica to ask because I didn't bump into them. Anyway, long story short, I took the pumpkin. They gave me the pumpkin and I cut it up and I roasted it with uh, some onions and uh, some rosemary and garlic on there. Real nice. And I made a pumpkin soup, but it was a pumpkin lentil 
soup. And the lentils is what's going to be key here. That cooked beer thing with the pumpkin, they're actually going to be complimentary, like they're going to work well together. Uh, so that'll be nice. The spices from the yeast and the rye are going to uh, add a layer that's going to work well with both the beer. Well, it already does work well with the beer and it will work well with the soup. But then the key is the lentils. Lentils are earthy. Actually, lentils take on taste from whatever's around them, but they do themselves impart some earthy qualities. And when I'm talking about that, like old tent canvas, that's like lentil taste. If you don't know what I'm talking about with uh, old tent canvas, open up. I was open up your jar of lentils. You guys all have jars of lentils around your house, right? Or is it just me? Get some lentils. They normally come in a bag. Don't buy canned lentils, by the way. That's insane. Buy dried lentils. Open them up. Give them a smell. That's a little bit like what I'm talking about. Lentils kind of smell a little bit like old tent canvas. So, um, so complimentary. It's going to work well. Plus seasonality. This beer with a bit of that heat that's coming in as it's warming. Those spices. Again, slightly darker uh, grain bill. Could just be the rye, but I do think there's some Munich in there. Um, that would work really well with my pumpkin lentil soup. By the way, you want the recipe? Real easy. Real easy. I can give it to you right now. Here's what you're going to do. First thing you're going to do, you're going to cut up a mirepoix. It's probably going to be two onions, except in my case, I used one. Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I did. It was one onion, two stalks of celery, and one big carrot, but let's call it two carrots. Okay? Chop all that up. Cool. Throw it in a pot. And by the way, knife skills here do not matter. Just make them into smaller chunks. You're fine. Put them in a, a heated pan with some oil or butter, whatever you like, uh, and get them frying up a little bit, right? You're, you're waking them up. That's what, what that's what we call it. We say you're waking them up. Fry them around for saute them is the technical word for, uh, you know, a little while. You don't want to color them. We're not coloring them. You're not trying to caramelize anything. You're just making them soft and, and hot. Once you've done that, dump in some water. In this case, in my pot, it was like, if I had to guess, four liters of water, just a guess, probably about four liters. What you're doing here is you're making stock, okay? But I'm a French chef, or I was a French chef, I'm a trained French chef. This is not how we make stock in the French chef world. Um, this is how I make it now because I'm cheap and I'm lazy. Um, typically you would, you would strain the stock and all of that vegetable you would leave behind. We're not going to do that. You've got that in there. It's like in the water. It's like a really weak stock right now. Don't worry about that. It's going to be okay. Throw in a couple of bay leaves, bit of pepper. You're done. Now take your pumpkin, cut it into pieces, scoop out all the bits, save the seeds because you're going to pumpkin seed them. I hope if you're throwing your pumpkin seeds away, give your head a shake, uh, make them into pumpkin seeds. They're nice. You, you know what I mean? Bake them, a bit of salt, maybe a little Parmesan cheese or a little old bay. That's nice. But you're not doing that right now. You're making soup. So focus on the topic at hand. Uh, once you have those pieces, you've got them. They're still on the skin. The flesh is hard. Take them, lightly coat them in oil, put them in a baking sheet or a, a roasting pan, whatever you like. Oven, something hot. 375 400 425 that's in fahrenheit if you use celsius in your stove go back to europe um somewhere around that it's not rocket surgery okay uh they're they're oiled up 
take so you remember I said two onions in the stock okay one onion in the stock one onion you're gonna skin just trim off the thinnest little bit on the root so most of the roots still there uh, take the skin off take off the the flower end and then quarter it from the root to the tip because the roots gonna hold it together now you have four pieces of onion drop one of those into four pieces each like one one each into four pieces of the the pumpkin uh, take a couple of cloves of garlic. How many? Eh, that many. Four? Two? Eight? I don't know. How garlicky do you want it? I think I used five. Put them, again, in the the, the, the pumpkin. Chuck it in the oven and leave it. Oh, and I put uh, rosemary. We had some fresh rosemary. So I put some rosemary on there. And, of course, salt and pepper. Gosh, I hope I don't have to tell you that. But just in case I do, put salt and pepper on there. Whack that in the oven. I think I left it for about an hour. Um, you want the the corners of the pumpkin to be coloring dark brown pushing black rosemary should be dried out it should smell real nice when that's done pull it out by the way that pot of stock it's still just simmering right it's on a low it's just simmering it's simmering it's simmering lid on you're not reducing it you're just simmering it okay now actually no that's not true i think i did reduce it I think I got it to a boil and then I dropped it to a very low simmer and took the lid off. I think I did because, again, I was being lazy. I want to get the most out of those vegetables. So I want to sort of lower it a little bit. But we're not trying to make a reduction. You're just a little. You're focusing it. That's how to think of it. Okay, now take the pumpkin bits out. Cool? Yeah? You're probably going to need a glove for this. I, I did it barehanded, but it's not easy to do. Take a spoon and scoop well, take the onion bits and the garlic bits and throw them in the pot right away. You're done. That's easy. Then take the pumpkin and you're scooping the flesh off of the skin. And it's a bit of a balancing act. You'll find where the skins were contacting whatever you were cooking them in. You're going to get right down to the skin. Whereas where, because it's curved, where it wasn't touching, you won't get quite as much flesh off. That's fine. Just get as much off of it as you can. You're just trying to use up some of this pumpkin. All of that flesh also into the pot throw the skins away now uh, if you're really feeling fancy and if you used a metal roasting pan you could deglaze it and then dump all that into the pan too you don't have to now here you do put the lid on because we're, again we're not reducing at this point you want to cook that and you want to let it all get to know each other and you're going to find that those those onion quarters are going to fall apart the roots are going to give up the 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 dream and there's going to be little petals of onion floating around the pumpkin is going to be uh, becoming more like applesauce. It's really nice. Uh, everything's just getting to know each other. Everyone's getting on. Leave that like a while, an hour to four, give or take. Uh, you remember you put some bay leaves in there? Did you remember to count how many? Because you're going to need to pull those out. Always a good idea to make a mental note, maybe a physical note. I put four bay leaves in here. I'm going to pull four bay leaves out. Pull out your bay leaves. Take your immersion blender. If you don't have an immersion blender, I really would suggest owning an immersion blender. But if you don't have one, you can do this in a blender. Just remember, hot soup has a tendency to expand. So you want to hold the lid down. And you know the middle piece, the little, you can pour through the little knob in the middle. Loosen that, but don't take it out. Okay? But don't have it locked. Have it loosened. So you're going to hold right over that, and that'll give you a little expansion space. And you're going to blend it. And you're going to blend it smooth. And by smooth, I mean smooth 
Okay. You don't need a Vitamix blender to get a smooth soup. You can do it with just about anything. You just need a bit of time. I did it with my all clad immersion blender, which I would highly recommend. Very good immersion blender. Uh, not for the faint of heart in terms of price. I think it was 120 bucks, but uh, I've killed a couple of immersion blenders and I have not killed that one. And I've owned it for, gosh, nine years. So a long time. It's made out of metal. How's it going to break? I don't know. Blend it smooth. Now you're going to check for seasoning. Do you notice what I didn't tell you to put in there? Any form of pumpkin spices. You don't need them. You've got some rosemary, if you're like me. you got black pepper and salt. That's all you need. The one thing I will tell you. Oh, wait, I forgot. When you put the pumpkin into the pot, put in like a couple of cups of lentils. Split lentils, not whole lentils. Split. These are like the orange ones, and they're like... Well, they're split, you can tell, because they have a flat side and a round side. And they used to have two flat sides together and they're around on both sides. Now they've been split. Flat side on one side, round side on the other. Dump in a couple of cups of that when you put the pumpkin flesh in the pot. It doesn't take long to cook. It's just going to cook away. Um, they will still be more or less intact when you're done unless you let it cook overnight. But that's fine. They're going to blend smooth. You blend all that together. Now you're going to check seasoning, and here's the problem. Pumpkin and lentils both suck up flavor like a sponge. What does this mean? It means you're going to have to salt this. If you are not down with salt, this is not for you. I will tell you, it's really difficult to eat too much salt if you don't eat processed foods. If you eat processed foods, if you eat out a lot, whatever, different ball game. But if all you do is cook at home, it's really hard to eat too much salt. So throw a lot of salt in there. In my pot, I was cooking in my, my not my big stock pot, but my large stock pot that I would typically use. Uh, actually, I could tell you exactly one, two, three, four. Uh, I ended up with six and a half liters of soup. I probably put mm, well more than an eighth of a cup of salt in there, not a quarter. Probably not as much as a quarter, but like like a good handful of salt in there. The soup does not taste salty, but the soup tastes weird and flat if you don't add that salt back into it. And then just check it. You can add some more pepper. If you need to add a bit more garlic, you can add it in there. Garlic is a little bit like salt. You don't if you add enough that you can taste garlic, you've probably added too much unless you're making lasagna or something. Um, but in the context of the soup, um, You'd be surprised if you taste it and it tastes kind of thin or flat or one-dimensional, you're going to need to add some salt. But if you take a clove of fresh garlic, chop it up nice and thin and put it in and just leave it for five minutes, let it cook itself in, mix it around, that can make a whole world of difference. It won't taste garlicky, but all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, cool. Now we have nuance to this soup. Uh, that's what you're going to do. I did not intend to give you a, I don't even know what, what was that, 10-minute soup making instructions but I did I'm gonna have another sip of this beer mmm 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 I was gonna say it's a good beer it was a great beer at seven years old it's an interesting beer and in the grand scale of things it's good to be great it's good to be good it's good to be interesting it's not good to be bad it's interesting I'll give it that have some of that pumpkin soup. Do you have any pumpkins lying around? Most of them are at the curb now, at least around here. 
especially because tomorrow's garbage day. But uh, if you've still got a pumpkin, you can do that with uh, like a carving sized pumpkin. The thing I will warn you of carving sized pumpkins are bred to be big and hollow. They're not bred to be tasty or to have like great flesh. Also, typically by this point, a carved pumpkin's getting some mold in it. That needs to just, I mean, you can throw it away. You can put it in the compost heap. You can, uh, I've heard if you just chuck it into the woods, animals will eat it. And that's great. Um, you don't want to cook with that one. You do want your pumpkin to be, uh, you know, edible. Um, but if you do have a carving pumpkin and it doesn't have any signs of mold and you haven't spilled candle wax in it or whatever, um, you can use that. It just won't have quite as nice a pumpkin-y taste. And they tend to have a lot more water in them. So when you're doing that roasting, you're going to find that the roasting pan is going to fill with water. It's going to end up kind of steaming more than it's going to roast, which is fine. You're just cooking it. Um, but uh, it will not... Uh, pie pumpkins Pie pumpkins are, are bred to have thick flesh that's firm and uh, not as much water. So that's why we tend to use them for cooking. And those tiny little itty bitty guys, those aren't for cooking. Just leave them on the table. Uh, that's what you're going to do with this beer. I'm going to have a sip. I'm going to come back. There's nothing else to talk about, so I'm just going to shut it down, which is good because this is a 41-minute episode. Yeah, it's an interesting beer. Interesting. That's all I got. Hey, have a great night. I know I teased that I might have had a guest tonight, but when I laid my hands on this beer, I decided not to pursue that. So maybe next week. But I think you know. It's probably just going to be me drinking another beer. I've got the... Have you got the Godspeed uh, um, Abbey beers? Speaking of Belgian beers, Godspeed put out uh, four... Belgian style uh, beers. I think it's a blonde, a double, a triple, and a quad, if I recall. Um, I haven't touched any of them yet. I'm very excited. I kind of wanted to like taste them all at the same time, but that's a lot of beer. Like, I would rather do that with a person. Hmm. 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 See what's happening here? I'm saying hmm a lot. That means I'm thinking. There might be something in that. Anyway, uh, we're not doing that tonight, and we're probably not doing it next week. Uh, I'm going to take this work shirt that's now sodden with beer and uh, put it in the laundry and uh, wish you a very fair evening. And uh, yeah, meet me back here in, uh, you know, seven days. We'll drink a beer.